This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Elkshade Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man. No fancy intro music. We ain't got no time for that. No fluff. We're getting right down to business. Swapcast today. East meets West Podcast with Bo. It's a swapcast. We're basically where... He's going to drop it. I'm going to drop it. It's more him interviewing me, but he's asking me questions on basically how to crush the elk hunting learning curve, which he's stuck in right now, and I think he's going to bust out. I'm going to go down the road of everything I do to prepare for elk hunting 365, where I'm elk hunting this year, and what my plans and my strategy, and we're going to go through basically how to become mentally stronger as well as just kind of how to be a savage in the mountains and how to just have some grit and determination and we talk discipline, delayed gratification. We talk about fitness. We talk about elk hunting tactics. I think it's a good episode. I think you're going to get a nugget or two out of this and hopefully get inspired or at least more motivated to work harder than anyone else and be the hardest worker on the mountain. Enjoy. Dan Staten, how's it going, buddy? It's good, brother. You, uh, you caught me midweek where I'm hustling and grinding and running low on sleep and I got light in the tunnel, man. I just got a couple more weeks, and then I'm I'm hunting. So, just trying to get everything done, and I'm excited. How about you? Yeah, the same. I'm uh, sitting in a hotel room, you know, recording this podcast. Same thing, running on pretty low sleep. I set you know some deadlines for myself to have these podcasts out, and last night I was running very close to that deadline and finish up the podcast right at midnight when I usually launch it. So <laughs> it was, uh, it's, it's one of those weeks, you know, yeah, just getting after it. Right on. Yeah. So, uh, what's, what's going on today? What's, what's your day looking like? Um, we started at four, four fifteen. the alarm went off and just made coffee and a uh, quick breakfast and, uh, out the door open up the gym i open it once a week so that way i can see the morning clientele at least once a week otherwise i got a really badass coach who runs the mornings uh her name's brooke and so she uh she takes wednesdays off so i roll in and open up and 
I get off at about 2.33, so it's a pretty long day. And then uh, my wife is not working today, so just got home, just took a shower and said hi to the missus. She was meeting with a contractor on uh, a kitchen remodel we're going to be doing, I guess, this winter. So uh, she was doing that. Kids are asleep, and I'm in my office just focused on doing this with you right now, man. Awesome. So before we get into your background here a little bit and who you are, I just wanted to say that uh, the reason for me having you on this podcast here is I have I have uh, kind of found found out about elk shape and yourself a few years back when I started looking into this whole um, journey to Western hunting and big game hunting. And it's been very inspiring to say the least. And I'm excited to, to get you on to cover some, you know, topics surrounded by physical fitness, uh, elk hunting and just overall, you know, business goals and, and, and just setting goals and accomplishing them. Appreciate it, man. It's awesome to hear. So with that being said, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, super simple guy. Uh, don't have very many uh, passions besides helping people in the fitness world and chasing elk with a bow. I mean, it, it doesn't get much more simpler than that. I'm a family guy, pretty young family. I got married, I think, kind of later, like 27. Didn't have our first kid till I was 33, 34. And so now I'm almost 37 years old and just going to be, you know, have two kids, two and a four-year-old and my wife and I, we just kind of have a younger family, but, you know, just trying to be the best dad I can be, try to put my marriage first before anything and try to be a good Christian. And it's not easy. Um, I swear like a sailor, ask my clients and um, <laughs> I'm, I'm a pretty <laughs> intense guy uh, in general. I, I don't. I can't turn it off. I'm just kind of like figured out through 37 years that I'm just kind of hardwired as I'm a very serious, intense guy. Don't get me wrong. I like to joke and laugh and stuff, but like I'm just kind of a serious guy when it comes to the things that I'm passionate about. I'm all in on and and like I told you, it's just comes down to probably helping people with their fitness journeys and and for myself, I love elk hunting. It's literally uh, a lot of times what I live for. So yeah, that's simple, simple guy. And from the Northwest and I own a business called CrossFit Spokane Valley and we're on year 10 and uh, I've been in the strength and conditioning field for 17 years, maybe 18 years and um, been bow hunting since 2001, been hunting my whole life. So um, I've hunted all over in the lower 48. I've hunted Alaska. Um, elk is my number one thing. I kind of plan all my hunting season around elk hunting and backfill with other hunts. And I love archery. And so that's kind of me, man. Yeah. So I guess you kind of stole my next question here about uh, kind of describing what elk shake was elk shape was about but uh i think you kind of got into it but is there anything else you want to add about elk shape and what you're trying to accomplish with that you know elk shape is really just a brand that i created to put my writings my videos my content if you will at a central hub but the goal of elk shape truly is to help people crush the elk hunting learning curve which crushed me. Um, I killed an elk my very first attempt with a rifle in Washington. I hunted for maybe half an hour and killed a bull. Super, super lucky, super blessed, and didn't know anything about elk hunting. And here I am gutting out 
a 600-pound bull. And so I, I killed several deer up to that point and had been a rifle hunter when I could. It was tough to hunt when you play sports in junior high, high school. And I gave up sports and um, went into the fitness industry in school and got into hunting again kind of with my dad and put a bull on the ground. And it was awesome. And so I thought I would learn more about elk hunting and found out you could hunt them during the rut with a bow in most states. So I just bought over-the-counter tags in Idaho, which is next door to me in Washington, and hunted with my uncle and dad for a couple of years. And And I love my uncle to death, but he really wasn't an experienced elk hunter. He wasn't the greatest mentor, but he, he's a great woodsman and a good backcountry guy. So he got me right into the backcountry right away. And, dude, I didn't kill an elk for four years. I killed my first bull with a bow in, I think, 2005 in New Mexico. So there was four years where I just tagged soup. And uh, that year I drew that tag and went. me and my dad both drove down to New Mexico and both killed our first bulls ever with bows. But I still could not get an Idaho bull until I want to say 2008. I killed my first Idaho bull. So there was like seven seasons of out-of-state elk tags in my, in my backyard where I just literally either – just couldn't get a shot because the brush and I didn't know what I was doing or I kill I should have killed a six-point bull I swear I double lunged him but we couldn't find him I mean just made every mistake possible to not having the right gear not understanding how to navigate not understanding topography and and really just zero knowledge of elk behavior the only knowledge I could gain was either firsthand or watching Primo's hunting DVDs where they're hunting private ranches in Colorado and Montana where elk have no pressure. I just didn't have any like public land mentorship. So that's what Elk Shape's about is helping folks really figure out how to do it themselves on a budget, blue collar people that want to have success right out the gates and not make some of the mistakes that I made. So that's what Elk Shape's all about. Now fitness is a huge part of that. So it's a huge part of who I am, so that's why the name Elk Shape, but I like to stay in Elk Shape year-round. It's not like getting into Elk Shape for just a couple weeks and then turning back into a turd, but it's just a, a cool brand that I, I'm passionate about, and it's really just kind of my passion project and my side hustle, and I love it. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome to hear, and and with my background, I'm, I'm a big believer in overall healthy lifestyle. From you know, from a hunting standpoint, obviously, but just from an overall you know well-being standpoint, and so I, I kind of wanted to talk to you a little bit about what what you think your you know the importance of fitness when it comes to elk hunting, and how that can help you from not just a physical standpoint but also a mental standpoint. Yeah, well, I think a lot of hunting comes down to what's between the ears. Not only just your intelligence, we as humans can reason. We're, we, we rely more on just instinct. We can think it through consciously. But uh, mental toughness to me is just about everything. And I found that I couldn't get mentally tough until I did things that challenged me, not only physically, but challenged my discipline and challenged my self-talk and helped me overcome rationalization, which is just that little voice inside of your head that'll tell you that's good enough or you can do this later or you're what you're where you're at fitness wise is plenty and so if you can 
really start to learn to mute that voice and take the hard path, the high road, you know, and go against the grain. Because I'll be honest, you know, there's going to be a lot of times when I'm elk hunting where to get the wind right is really going to take me gaining an extra thousand feet and going an extra mile to get the wind right. And I don't want to do that. I want to just go after this bull. He's right there. But discipline will win if I can just shut that rationalization up and say, nope, I got to do it the hard way. It's the right way. And to me, you need reps at that. And I get my reps inside the four walls of CrossFit. Uh, Just about every day I'm doing something I don't really feel like doing, but I'm going to do it anyways. And those multiple reps, they help improve that mental toughness muscle that needs repetition. It doesn't do well with atrophy. You, You don't get reps. It will get weaker. It will get smaller. And you will succumb to weakness and and rationalization so hopefully that makes sense that i think mental toughness is everything and i don't think anyone's really born mentally tough you have to keep reps at mental toughness reps or keep reps at doing the hard thing and staying disciplined eating healthy when you know that hot pizza and cold beers right over there and you're over there eating your chicken salad you know what i mean but yeah yeah, no, that's a, that's a, that's a good point. And I I've heard people say in the past about mental toughness being something you're just born into and can't really be made. And I completely agree with your standpoint on that. And I, I think just my journey of elk hunting in the last couple of years has really has made me, I guess, mentally tougher in every part of my life. You know, when big things happen, things that maybe unplanned events anything that happens you're able to persevere through that and you know stay disciplined keep your goals in mind and and get past it because it's to to be honest i mean when you're on some of these hunts and everything it's not always fun so when you can apply those different things into every part of your life with the discipline of like you said waking up at 4 15 every morning and and work like so i i do that to find time to work out I get up every morning, 4.30 in the morning, and do a workout, whether that's, you know, whether that's 30 minutes, whether that's an hour, it depends on what I can get in, but I'll make sure that I, I get that done, even when you just want to hit that alarm clock and, you know, lay in bed. Those things help so much, and I, I've seen the, the improvements over the last couple of years within, again, elk hunting and everything else in life when you have that discipline to do that. So with CrossFit, so you're saying the the high reps, the high intensity, everything there is is what is helping you a lot with that that uh, I guess becoming more mentally tough. Yeah, I don't know if I was getting mentally tough back in my early days when I did five sets of five bench and five sets of five deadlifts and maybe five sets of five lat pull downs, you know, with lots of rest in between sets. Was it hard and challenging? Sure. And and did I get stronger? Yes. But there's something to be said about the intensity component of CrossFit, which we can get into. But the intensity piece where you're doing things under duress, because let's be honest, fatigue makes cowards of us all. So when you are forced to do things under duress, you really get tested because you'll want to slow down the pace You'll want to look for that place to breathe or I need chalk. I'll get some chalk right now or, man, I, I, I might just want to shave one round and not do 
all five. You know, a lot of that justification, rationalization stuff will come into the workouts every damn day, every day. And it's challenging and and you don't have to do CrossFit to be ready for hunting. But the reason why I choose to do CrossFit is I'm looking back at my hunting portfolio and you're talking about a guy who doesn't – I don't spend a lot of time with a backpack on. I try to backpack once a week. It doesn't always happen. I don't run, like I don't do trail running, and I don't do a lot of this rucking, and and I don't track my heart rate. I just do CrossFit, general physical preparedness, super broad fitness, covering a little bit of everything, not being an expert at one thing, but being good or respectable at a lot of things, and really working on my individual weaknesses more than working on my strengths has made me extremely well-rounded, and obviously the mental toughness, which we talked about. And I believe, doing the training that I do, I don't have to spend hours upon hours in the gym, or on the mountain, or on the trail, or on the road. It's just, it's a time economy thing where I can get a lot of bang for my buck, and especially running your own business, and doing a side hustle, being a dad, I'm always doing something. And so, for me, this is literally the best way for me to get in mountain shape without being in the mountains. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point, and and I, I've never done CrossFit myself. I've never grown up around a, a CrossFit gym or anything, but I try to take a lot of principles of it with the high intensity and low rest between things, and that has been the the biggest help for me when I first went to Colorado. I mean, I, I kind of had started at that point, changing things up a little bit, but I was focusing, you know, 100%, it seemed like on, or not 100%, but a lot on just endurance, just running and and then weightlifting because that's all I did, you know, when I was in college and everything. I did, you know, the five sets of five, you know, each muscle group and everything else. But since I switched to, I well, to be honest, I don't have a, a gym membership myself right now. I have kettlebells i bought sandbags some different things there and i just do a a lot of reps and a lot of movements in a short amount of time and when i went out last year to elk hunt it made such a difference and i mean you know you can obviously you can obviously kill an elk without being in optimal shape but i can i mean i'm sure you can speak of this way better than i can but you're never going to wish that you were in worse shape. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, every year when I, when I'm hunting in the mountains or even when I'm hunting in out East where I'm from, it's in the Appalachian mountain region for whitetails. You know, I'm packing a tree stand back in, I'm hanging hunt. So I hang my stand, I pull it back down when I'm done because I'm hunting pieces, public pieces of land and I'm always moving. You never wish that, uh, Oh, I, I, you know, I, I wish I wouldn't have got up at 4:30 every morning and do those workouts. No, you find reasons to want to do more or find what your weaknesses are, and that was that's been the biggest, you know, realization for me, and how some of that, you know, high intensity movements and you know work under stress kind of has helped out. From a, again coming from a elk newbie standpoint, you know, when you don't have a lot of elk hunting knowledge. You don't have a lot of experience. Maybe you've never even heard a bull bugle in the wild, but you got yourself an out west elk tag. You really don't have very many things that 
are going for you because experience is everything. But what you can do is you can focus on the things that you can control. For instance, you can make damn sure that you know how to tune your bow. Your bow is tuned. Fill points and broadheads are hitting right where they need to be. You can make damn sure that you have your bow doped. You can make sure that you have all the greatest gear in the world and you've used all the gear and you have a system in place. You can control that. You can control how much time you spent on Google Earth, uh, other you know, YouTube and hunting forums and calling biologists and fishing game. You can always make that extra phone call or spend that extra hour. I mean, that's the stuff that you can control, but you cannot control the wind and the mountains. It's going to do what it's going to do, and you're going to learn the hard way. And you can't control a bull elk. He's going to do what he's going to do on that particular moment. Either he's hot or he's selfish and he wants to keep all his cows to himself. He's call shy. He's whatever. He's pressured or he's just old and mature and been around. All that stuff you can't control. But the one thing that I feel like has been my biggest ally when I sucked at elk hunting was my fitness level. I was driven, I mean extremely far beyond driven, and ready to do whatever it took to be successful if it meant sleeping on the mountain or getting up two hours before dark and hiking in. And there was never a day where I slept in because it was raining. I would go no matter what, and I would go after any and every bugle I heard regardless of the terrain features that were in my way. And if you can grind day in and day out, you're going to make yourself an opportunity. So fitness will always be an ally to you if you suck at hunting right now, if you're just not that experienced. And it's that's not your fault. You'll get your experience. You'll get your reps. But in the meantime, you better try to focus on what you can control, like the things I just mentioned, to put yourself in the best position possible to get that elk on the ground. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, I mean, you kind of explained, you know, my, my experience in the last few years of elk hunting to give you a quick background. I have not killed an elk yet. I've been hunting for two seasons of elk hunting, but I do feel like the phys- my physical fitness has helped me get into those positions. Well, I've had opportunities. I've had more opportunities than I that I should have, but, uh, I, you know, I screwed them all up from a setup standpoint or just a lot of, you know, like you said, the elk hunting knowledge that comes with experience. And from each one of those mistakes I made, I learned from it. And then, you know, from talking to people, you know, like you and, and some others that are a lot more experienced, I learned what I did wrong in those, those situations. But to even get into those, into those opportunities, for, for example, the place I was hunting in Colorado, I was in the high country around 11,000 to, to 12,000 feet. And a lot, there was a lot of pressure from people coming in from the trail systems. And the place I ended up finding the elk were in this steep canyon. And it seemed like that was when I got out there, I thought it was almost impossible to get down into. But once you figured out how to get in there and, and move throughout it, you know, opportunities were there. And, and I, I definitely, you know, attribute a lot of that, just those opportunities and that experience to being able to hike there and be able to do that, um, under pressure. I had tracked everything on my, my Garmin the first year out there. And in seven days, I think it was 77 miles, somewhere around there that, that I put on the boots. And 
it's you know it's it's easy to do that you know a day or two but to be able to keep up a, a you know a hard pace throughout that and that terrain and and keep your mind right is not easy and i've talked about it on this podcast before but i thought i was going to have you know a mental breakdown on day four of the, the first trip just it was just so you know i was just beat down and everything was you know everything with my body and my mind just felt like i was just wore out and it was kind of a wake-up call to be able to you know work on those things work on those weaknesses and practice you know year round with with putting yourself in uncomfortable situations so that once it comes to it and like you said it's raining on day six or seven in the morning you don't sleep that extra hour or two that you still go out and you realize that you've been working towards this all year you're going to leave you know everything you have on the mountain at that point yeah, you better. Elk hunting is a fourth quarter game, especially the less experience you have. I think most of your success, if you even get to experience it, will be in the fourth quarter when you finally kind of start to figure out the Elks program. And you ain't going to figure that out if you're tired or you're homesick or you're just kind of a mental little person and you just don't have the grit to grind and put yourself and and think of it this way man like let's say you just don't know that much about elk hunting and you get yourself into 10 different scenarios where a bull is under 30 yards and you screw up your setup every time you're either behind a tree you picked the wrong lane you made the wrong call or you moved you drew too early you didn't draw early enough well you might need 20 of those encounters until you kind of get things figured out, and then you might bump your success up to where you're killing five out of ten experiences similar. And then maybe you get even more knowledge, and you get even more intelligent, and now you're killing eight out of ten of those close setups. And that just comes from reps. But if you don't have the physical fitness and the prowess and the mental fortitude, you're not going to get those ten encounters to blow first. So you're just going to extend your learning curve and it's everything, it's going to take everything to get close to a bull with a bow and unless you're just maybe just lucky and, and I'd rather be lucky than good. But do you know what I'm saying? It's just going to take a lot of reps for you to kind of start figuring out what to do and when to do it. And you're never going to be perfect, but man, huh, you're going to start figuring out real quick what you're going to start knowing what the elk's going to do before they do it. And that's when the game changes yeah no that's what that's what i'm hoping anyways (laughs) like i said i can't speak from experience with with actually killing one yet but um if i can just make you know one of those situations from again experience happen um happen the right way and learn from it then i'll be i'll be extremely happy so yeah i'm uh i'm excited for that to come up this year you know i'm I'm just about a month actually a month away from today i'll be heading back into the Colorado backcountry. So I'm excited. Are you going solo? Um, no, I'm not. I'm going with a, with a couple guys this time. I was going, I was actually planning on going solo because the, who I was supposed to go with at the, at the beginning. Um, I usually, I go out with my brother and, um, he just got married and is going to Alaska for his honeymoon during September. So, not real happy with him for doing that but (laughs) i can't uh can't change that so i found another group of guys great group of guys with similar goals and and same thing that uh i'm excited to go out with so 
Dude, that's it'll awesome. Be, it'll be a good time. So when uh, when's your elk season starting? It never ends, brother. I, uh, I'm thinking about Elk 365, and I don't say that, like, I do kind of say that jokingly, but not really. So the, my, home, my home place to elk hunt is in North Idaho. Um, Ten years ago, my dad and I bought a cabin together, uh, 50-50, to just elk hunt out of where we grew up elk hunting. And... Um, it's really more like a house, quite honestly. It's a very nice cabin, and, and it, you know, when you're single and 26 years old, and you've been working full time for almost 10 years, you can afford that. You know, you don't have kids or a wife, so thank God I got that before I got married. So some people think like I'm super rich because I have, you know, a cabin, a really nice cabin, in the, in Idaho. But I don't. I'm not. I'm definitely blessed, but just through hard work and discipline. And the goal, by the way, we can we don't talk about finances, is to have that thing paid off in three more years, and then have that kind of be like a legacy piece, hopefully to keep in the family. But um, the reason why I bring that up is that that cabin is somewhere I go to during rifle season, and I'm not elk hunting. I'm keeping tabs on how many trucks are driving by with how many bulls in the back of it. I'm I'm constantly running trail cameras year round in there, moving them and adding more to my collection. And I'm like a damn biologist, man. I'm tracking those herds. I'm always wolf hunting in there, trying to keep those numbers low. I'm shed hunting in there. I'm bear hunting in there, trying to keep the bear population in check. I'm always in there getting firewood, picking huckleberries, dirt bike riding, hiking. I'm in those mountains. So as far as my, my back pocket place to go, and that my go-to over-the-counter is right there in North Idaho, and I know I like the back of my hand, and I'm always adding knowledge to that. So I scout year-round there. Now, what my elk season this year is a little different. I've drawn some pretty amazing tags I've been putting in for dec- over a decade in almost all the good states out west. So I cashed in on Nevada, so I'm going to hunt Nevada elk finally. Uh, I nice. Thirteen. Yeah, that'll be awesome. Maybe thirteen points. I think I put in. So I'm going there, and they open August 25th. So I'm going to get there. I think two days prior to do some scouting. And I've never stepped foot in the unit. It's been all e scouting and uh, talking to a close friend who's hunted there before. And I got my maps, and I got my Onyx, all my maps saved, and. I'm ready to go. And then uh, when that hunt ends, or if I kill even early, I'm ready to go to my next tag, which is in Wyoming. I haven't hunted Wyoming in 10 years. I'm going to a a unit I've never been into and a mountain range I've never stepped foot into. But I'm going with a friend who hunted there last year, and so I'm going to lean on his knowledge. And um, that's going to be a great hunt as well. And if I get time, I will come back to my cabin and finish the season there uh if that works out so it could be a three a three bull year i've done those a couple times it may be a no bull year and that's the beauty of elk hunting is no matter how many elk you've killed the the slate is wiped clean every year and there is not a season that hasn't gone by where i've had to stop and go have i ever really killed how the hell did i ever kill an elk this is so hard and i'm sure that'll happen to me this year where um, I don't know how many elk I've killed, but over, not 30, but over 20 in the last uh, 11 years. And I will stop at some point in 2018 and probably laugh at myself and say, dude, are you sure you've ever even killed an elk? Because you always are making mistakes. 
and you just got to be able to ba- roll with the punches <laughs> and bounce back, keep your mental game sharp, and put your best foot forward day in and day out. You know, I tell people on my podcast, you cannot control the outcome as much as you want to. You can only control your effort and your attitude, and that's it. So we talked about the things to control before the season, and that's the equipment, the scouting, the you know your your, your weapon. But when you get in the field, man, you can't control how many other hunters are there, or what kind of winter, or what how what the wolf situation's like, or the wind, or any of that kind of stuff. You just can control your effort and attitude. And so um, the the slate's wiped clean, brother. So I'm I'm a brand new elk hunter. I haven't done it in 11 months. I'm j- just you know. It's it's a fun process to start over. I can tell you that much. Yeah. So b- before I ask you about kind of what what your strategy is going into Nevada, you know, going in the end of August, you had said um, when you bought that cabin um, when you were twenty six, single, not married, everything there. Kind of sounds like you know I'm twenty six right now and in a similar situation. So are you telling me that I need to to buy a hunting cabin and and uh, get it taken care of? <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you. I tell you this much: if you're 26 and you're not married, and you don't have kids, you need to go do all those hunts you've been that you want to do right now. Pay cash for them, save up, and go. Just work your ass off and go. I mean, I'm fortunate enough that I've hunted Alaska. I think four times before I was married, which was awesome. Canada, uh, all over the out west, and I still hunt a lot. And God bless my wife because. I told her before we got married, um, this is what I do. This is what I do. And uh, it's, I'm not changing that part of me. That's just kind of who I am. And so this is part of the package deal. So before you get tangled up with a woman, go do some of those dream hunts you can. Buy tags, not gear. You know what I mean? I love yeah. that saying. And just go go cut your teeth. Alaska, there's so many things you can do in Alaska. I think everyone needs to go see Alaska. It's it's awesome, and uh, yeah, so I don't know if you need a hunting cabin per se, but my, when I do hunt in Idaho, I, I'm pretty soft. I sleep in a bed every night. I shower every morning. I drink coffee out of a coffee pot. I watch the news, and um, don't get it twisted, though. Part of, the, part of the trade-off on doing that is I have at least an hour truck drive potentially an hour dirt bike ride and then potentially still hiking in from there every day and you got to flip that on the back end i usually don't camp out in the woods so i gotta go hike back to my dirt bike ride back to my truck load my dirt bike drive back to the cabin gas my dirt bike check everything make sure mechanically we're sound usually i'll shoot my bow in the headlights of my truck because it is pretty steep rugged riding and your bows attached to your backpack and things can change and move. And I learned that a long time ago to shoot my bow. Every time I leave the cabin and come home, shoot that night. Um, and then you got to make dinner and try not to pass out before dinner's done. Make yourself eat. A lot of times you're not hungry. You just want to sleep. It's a grind. But um, yeah. I can tell you, a warm bed and stuff is nice. And we do do spike camps and we do backpack hunt out of there as well. But, you know, a lot of times we've gotten some really good hunting just getting that uh out of the cabin and and i'm not a guy who sleeps during the day uh elk hunting i don't take naps during elk hunting season and i'm a huge like you talk to my clients at my gym i'm i'm on their ass about their sleep 
then it's their nutrition, and then it's their training because sleep is everything. And uh, But I am a complete hypocrite in September. I don't know what it is, but I just I run on about four or five hours of sleep a day, and I just think I know from experience that those, those days are finite and I can't squander. I got I to gotta grind every day to get it done. So that's what it takes. Yeah. And um, so you were talking about Alaska. I, I just went to Alaska for the first time um, about a month or a month and a half ago during the summer solstice there. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I went up there for the Heather's Choice Company retreat and got to see Alaska from a raft and camping and doing a bunch of things. And I, I've already been planning on it, but now it's definite that 2019, I'm going up there to hunt something. And I've, I've realized it's not as difficult as I originally thought it was going to be as far as like a planning standpoint. It takes more planning, but it's not, you know, out of reach. So it's it's an unbelievable, unbelievable place. That's awesome to hear you say that. Um, my first time I hunted Alaska, I don't know how I did it, but I was 21. I paid um, for a charter flight to King Salmon, and then I paid a bush pilot to drop me off solo in the middle of a mountain range and I killed a caribou with my bow by myself in the middle of nowhere Alaska one of the most life-changing events you talk about finding out what you're made of and who you really are and connecting with the creator this this is this was the ticket for me it was life-changing was I scared sometimes I was and was I doubtful of myself sometimes I was but uh, from a learning experience, that's one of the best things I've ever decided to do, wouldn't trade it for the world, was just a solo 21-year-old punk do-it-yourself caribou hunt in Alaska, and it was awesome. You know what I mean? So go do it, man. Even if, yeah. no, even if no one will go with you, get an inReach. I didn't have a DeLorme inReach. I didn't have one of those. I just, I just did it, man. And my family thought I was crazy, but I did it and would do it again in a heartbeat. Yeah, I actually just picked up an inReach Mini because I was, well, I was planning on going solo for some of the trips and things with uh, with work and everything didn't work out that I'm able to go as long as I was planning. But um, anyways, I uh, you had said something too about you know buying tags and not gear. So what what I do to be able to get gear is work at an archery shop part time, and uh, that that's how I get my gear. Nice. And you know just fig you know figure it out. I figured out what. You know what I wanted from an experience standpoint, and then I can use you know my money that I'm saving from my from my regular job and everything for tags and travel and everything else, and putting that aside. And for when I want gear, I work extra hours at the shop or do whatever I need to to do that. So there's there's always a way. You can always find it. Just uh, depends how hard you you want to work for it, I guess. Dude, the, I interviewed a guy a couple podcasts ago named Brian Sales. He lives in North Carolina. He's a pilot, and he already had an envelope that he was putting $100 bills in every month for 2020. Talk about discipline. Talk about delayed gratification. Talk about getting the big picture and you know, just doing the hard thing now. I was so impressed when he said that, and uh, I, it just proves if you really want something bad enough, it's yours for the taking. You just have to do it. Yeah. And like you said, it's a planning thing. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. And I listened to that podcast with Brian and, and I thought that was awesome to hear that. And that's, 
is something that a friend of mine, Matt Common, he um, has brought up to me before, and he's like, "Hey, you know, I've done sheep hunts and I've done this, and I'm I'm not a rich guy." He's like, "It just takes discipline, and you know, when you want that fifty thousand dollar truck, instead of doing that, you know, drive your old truck for." five years and the money that you would put in front that you would be putting for that, there's your sheep hunt, you know, and, and just, there's so many different ways of looking at it that you can have these experiences you want with some planning and discipline, like you said, and I'm, you know, learning the, the more and more that as I get older, just delayed gratification and realizing that I can't always have everything I want right now, but you have to plan for it. And that's, believe me that's taken a lot of you know mistakes and experiences to get there but you know continue to try for it and and that's what you know i hope with this podcast too to be able to show people that even if you don't have you know a lot of money or this or that if you want something bad enough and you want these experiences you can make them happen so with that being said let's let's talk a little bit here about uh your Nevada hunt. So you're going in the end of August. What what is your kind of strategy going into that? Well, keep in mind I've never been there, so yeah, I am going to be adaptable to what the circumstances. Now I have been to Nevada multiple times hunting mule deer, and I've been in places where there are big bulls. So I've seen lots of elk back in the high country, and and where I'm going is more high desert than it is like steep mountain ranges. But uh, it's going to be a glassing game. So figuring out on Google Earth where to glass to see certain drainages, certain features, knowing where water is and figuring out how scarce water is is going to be important when we get there. Now, in Nevada, you cannot run trail cameras. That's a new law. And I mean, like, for nothing. Won't probably be sitting water in a ground blind unless we just know for certain. we probably got visual confirmation that a bull is hitting water but most of the elk will probably hit water in the afternoons and uh the rut probably won't be happening when we first get there but bulls will be august 25th i would assume most bulls will shed velvet by then and they're feeling a little froggier and there'll be some bugling now i have been in nevada in the high country and been woken up out of my bivy sack to a bull bugling all night. And then when I woke up that morning, I got eyes on him and he was a seven point in line, seven by seven. He had like 60 cows, a couple of rag. And it was like, it seemed like it was a month later. It seemed like it was September 25th. I mean, he was just bugling and chasing cows and checking every cow. And uh, it was like August 22nd or 3rd. So you just never know what's going to be happening, but we're going to just kind of adjust but uh, we've got about five or six places to glass from. And then additionally, we have four or five other places to check out. Don't know the road systems by heart, but just know them off Google Earth. I've dropped several points of interest and got everything, all my maps created. And kind of have a written out game plan as to where to go first, where to go second, where to camp, where to get gas, what things to bring down. And then... Um, one thing that I talk about is just trying to bulletproof everything. Like I said in prior, it was controlling what I can control. So I know I'm bringing a four-wheeler, which means I'm bringing a trailer, a utility trailer, which means I got to grease the axles on that and make sure I got two spare tires and have all the tools to do that. And I just went from top to bottom through my entire four-wheeler, changing out every fluid and checking everything. 
And so just being prepared because when you travel that far, you just, you know, you're going to have to be able to do and fix things right then and there. You might get a flat tire in your truck, whatever. So um, just trying to be prepared and not have to be MacGyver, like have the tools I need right then and there. And then as far as the hunt plan goes, I think it's going to be probably not a call-in situation, but more of like an intercept or even hunt them like mule deer. So, yeah. Okay. That's, that was going to be my question. Do you do a lot of calling or does that all depend on the situation? God, that's, I mean, yeah, I'll call a ton when it's necessary. And that's usually when I just need to find elk. And a lot of times it'll be at night or before it's light. I need to know where the bulls are at to get to, but, but I would prefer to glass and glass and let the glass do the walk-in and learn the elk's pattern, especially late August, there's still going to be some patterns. And then take advantage of those patterns and figure out where to intercept or or even where to make a stock, like a mule deer. Um, I don't know with the juniper pinion situation, you know, if a big bull goes into the patch of junipers, you're not going to know exactly where you bedded down. You know, your odds go down. So trying to make good plays on good high percentage and being patient. Um, I'm not super picky. I'm not like, I need a 365 or better bull. Um, but with this tag, I mean, obviously I want to get something special considering the time I put in, but I'm more or less looking forward to seeing what they have in, in inventory. And I think I'll know right away if I want a specific bull and and try to find his weakness and exploit it. Now, Wyoming will be different because I've talked to my buddy who was there. There'll be some calling but there's the elk will be in bigger herds and there's a lot of bulls to cows. And so they're going to be doing all the talking on their own. So it's going to be a lot of just slip in type stuff on those elk. Let them do them in Idaho where it's brushy and whatnot. There's going to be days where you're going to need to call and challenge bulls with the bugle tube predominantly and get in their face and get them cornered or pressure them and get them to come in and, that's that's really a lot of fun it's really difficult to do solo which is primarily how i hunt but it can be done um there's some techniques to that but so to answer your question i'm thinking nevada's gonna be more like a mule deer hunt essentially i think wyoming would be more of like my style of run silent run deep let the elk do the thing and and move in on them there are some places to glass but the it's high high country and so it'll be sneaking in on bulls big herds and trying to get past several sets of eyes of cows and calves and spikes and rag bulls and and then if i do get a chance to hunt my home territory in north idaho it's going to be it'll probably be a lot more bugling and challenging and find the right bull that wants to play ball okay yeah that's uh like you said and it all depends on the terrain and everything too obviously you know you're not gonna if it's a lot more open terrain bugling will pinpoint you a lot more than you know if you're in brushy terrain of north idaho yeah, so like North Idaho, I don't even pack binoculars. Like that's useless. That should just explain that. Like I've had many bulls under twenty yards, and I can't get a shot because of alders or huckleberry brush or thick timber, whatever. So yeah, um, and those elk, I would say the more br- I don't know if this is necessarily true, but generally speaking, the brushier, dense country, the elk are more vocal because they have to be like Roosevelt's, which I've never hunted, but I'm acting like I know. But you just they, they'll come <laughs> in closer. But you just you may not get a shot just due to yeah. that. Whereas in a little more open country, you just got to be a little more delicate, giving away your position. I'd much rather just 
be sneaky, and I love it when bulls are bugling at each other on their own. I just love that. I feel like the odds, when they don't know you're there, you can really manipulate the situation and turn the table. So. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. And where I was hunting in Colorado, it was in a, a wilderness area and, and basically dark timber. There was, there was no aspens even where I was at as high up as it was. And it was all blowdowns and everything. And a couple of the opportunities I had were 15, 20 yards and I couldn't get a shot from just the amount of, you know, with the trees blown down and branches everywhere and this and that. And when I got into those deep canyons, they were definitely more vocal. Um, and even for me to be able to find them, it seemed like that, that I had to be more vocal with them. But, uh, once they were up, you know, above tree line or anything, then it was kind of a different story. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So that's, that, that's awesome. It sounds like you have a pretty good lineup, you know, going into this, uh, elk season. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I mean, elk are visuals to some degree. I mean, a lot of times they want to confirm for sure. But a lot of times they want to confirm with their nose almost nine times out of ten. So you just got to be able to get yourself in a position where they can't confirm your scent. And when they attempt to do that, you have set up off that decision that they will make. And not all the time. I mean, you might have a bull come in straight downwind. Uh, He's just rut crazy and doesn't give a crap. And those are great days, but they are few and far between. The bull is going to rely on their nose or sometimes their visual. And so that's when you're working with the team, like you're going to be – you guys really need to be picky on your setups, and someone's got to be the quarterback and really execute the game plan to get you in the position to make that shot and, and know what that bull is going to do and go from there. You know, I think the more calling that I do, the smaller bulls um, you're going to have to, if you're picky on bull, um, which most guys aren't. Most guys just want to kill a bull. The best way to, to kill any raghorn bull is by calling them in with a cow call or a small spike bugle. And they're dumb. They're just not as smart as an older bull. They haven't played the game as long. And I think with that being said, hunting with a setup with a team of like a one call or two shooters or vice versa, something like that, is definitely ups your odds. Um, when you're going solo, you have to be the caller and the shooter. You just have to kind of think things through a little bit more and pay attention to moving. You can't make a call and stay where you're at. Uh, you have to make that call and then put yourself out in front of that last sound you made. And you better get there quick and you better get there stealth-like. And a lot of times that will help your situation if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that, that definitely makes sense. And as you're saying that, I can think of situations in my head where, you know, that has happened. And either, you know, I messed it up when I, when I was by myself. Um, I There was a, a five-point bull in a wallow. And... Um, I, I was trying to call him out of there towards me. And as soon as I made the cow call, I saw him starting to come. So, you know, I, I booked it, you know, that way, but I, my setup was not uh, one stealthy and two, I ended up setting up kind of where he came in. There was a tree in between us. And although he was at 15 yards, he was stopped looking at my previous location where there was nothing there anymore, no cow. And, you know, then he just got spooked at that point. Yeah, so he was going for visual confirmation. You probably didn't know the trail system or whatever. You didn't know, you know, that's part of having home field advantage in Idaho is like a lot of times I've been there, I might know where the bull might want to go to to see because a lot of times they just want that visual first, even in that country, and or at least if they can't get the wind, they'll want to see. And uh, so that's where you got to – but you did good. I mean, you moved up, and you don't have to be – 
sneaky on elk like a whitetail. You really can't break. You can't be afraid to break brush and hit a stick. That's not a big deal. It's being being loud is not a problem. In fact, I'd rather see people err on the side of being too aggressive than err on the side of being not aggressive because I feel like people are just too passive when they're first learning how to elk hunt. If you really want to make it happen, you just got to be extremely aggressive, but smart, but I think you have to make the moves. Yeah. Aggressive, but not reckless. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, um, in North Idaho, do you, do you hunt whitetails at all? Not well, I have hunted and killed a couple of nice bucks in Idaho, like mountain bucks, but, um, Washington is where I spend most of my time hunting mountain whitetails, uh, just because of the price is like 40 bucks versus 300 bucks. And you can bait in Washington. So a lot of times I'll like, I'll hike in alfalfa, uh, corn, sweet feed, molasses mix into these setups, which is super nice. It's not a guarantee by the way, people thinking, Oh, that's cheating. That's not, it's a legal way to hunt and it'll get the does coming in, but the bucks are still super cautious. But in Idaho, you can't bait, so you have to kind of run a scrape system and use scents and funnels, and it's definitely more challenging. Um, if I tag out early in Washington for whitetail, then I will definitely I, I always go to Idaho. There's a few places I like to go there, but uh, I do like whitetail hunting quite a bit. It's probably um, it's not my absolute favorite thing, but... You're talking to a guy who's not afraid to sit sun up, sun down a week straight in November. It, to me, I, I get the process. I love it. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I love whitetail hunting, especially mountain bucks for whatever reason. Yeah, no, that's so where, where I'm from is right in the Appalachian region, north central Pennsylvania is is where I grew up and where I where I hunt. And there's there's over two million acres of public land in northern Pennsylvania and not a lot of people know about, and it's a majority of forest. So there's no food plots. There's nothing when you think of whitetail hunting. It's relatively steep terrain, just not at elevation or anything like out west. And that's why I just have a – that's always been how I grew up. I didn't hunt farm country, whitetails, anything like that. I I am going to plan a you know a western whitetail hunt somewhere you know in, in – in those areas, you know, whether that's Idaho, um, I'm hearing more and more about Washington, you know, Northern Montana, um, talk to a few guys that, that live and hunt there and that kind of style whitetail hunting just gets me fired up because it reminds me of what, you know, what I'm doing at home and I can kind of take those tactics out there and see, see how they, how they work. But yeah, for sure. Yeah. To me, there's, there's nothing like a, an old mountain buck. That's for sure. They're so cagey, so smart, and just survivalist, man. Whitetail are very, I don't know, they're amazing. It seems like they they can out-survive any animal. Harsh winters, they'll move down. They'll survive. They'll live in someone's backyard if that's what it means to make it through the winter. Whereas yeah. stubborn old mule deer buck might stay on the mountain way too long and, and not make it out, you know. So, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know you got a lot of wolves over there in western montana and north idaho high density of wolves so you got that to you know play with as well yeah all right with that being said dan let's let's talk a little bit about how with you being you know busy with owning your own business your side hustle and hunting and everything how do you balance that family you know work life and and hunting as well 
Man, balance is not my forte. Like I told you guys in the beginning, I'm pretty much all or none. So it's it's difficult to say the least. And I'm still navigating these waters. This is going to be a hard test for me this year to be gone from my family for about four or five weeks. Just not seeing the kids every day is going to be really hard. But what I try to do is be super intentional about carving out the entire summer for them. We've gone on four different camping trips. Um, we're going again this weekend. I did zero scouting this summer when it came to Wyoming and Nevada. I just I decided 26-year-old Dan, not married, kids, I would have had two or three scouting trips in Nevada. You know what I mean? It's not that far of a drive. It's like an eight, nine-hour drive. Do it. But... 37 year old Dan is like whoa I need to I need to really fill up their cups quality time and just be present put the phone down and don't scroll put it away and be present and I think that's really important so I'm trying to do a better job there I'm making an attempt to really to do that and to make some memories and um and with my wife especially, I usually, like I said, if I can't draw a good elk tag, I'll hunt right out of the cabin. So I'm talking I can call her every night and check in. If I need to come home, it's a two-hour drive, and I can skip a day of hunting if I need to to be there for anything that she may need. That's not going to be like that this year. So what I've done is I went ahead and got two different nannies coming in on two different days of the week just to give her a break from the kids. So I made all those arrangements. I've taken care of um, – basically I've spoiled her this, this summer more than ever. And I don't have to, but I think I want to. So I got her a paddleboard. She loves the water. Uh, I've got her some cool workout gear. She's a workout freak just like me. I've set up and built and purchased a whole workout gym in our garage that's so legit. I mean we've got a rower, a rogue echo bike. Bumper plates, comp plates, pull-up bar, kettlebell, box jumps, all right there. So if she, she's one of her favorite things to do is to work out. So if she's got the kids and they're in nap time, then she doesn't have to drive to the gym. She can work out there. So I spent all summer kind of like saving up and and getting these things for her. They're a tax write-off for me as well. Um, and then uh, <laughs> there's, uh, you know, I got uh, she's got a massage that she doesn't know about scheduled. She's got a full color and cut and for guys that means that she's going to get her hair cut and they're going to dye it and girls love that they love their hair so she's got a full two-hour appointment that she doesn't know about and then i got her a 200 gift card to lululemon and i'm she's going to get that present on friday which is her birthday in two days from now and i'm just going to you know show her the calendar and show her hey here's your days where you don't have the kids while i'm gone and hey oh here's some things i've gotten for you and she She's super thankful, man, and and if I hadn't done all that stuff, I just don't know if it'd be as good a situation when I come home from being gone, and it's still going to be hard, but those are the things, and it's just about being intentional. You you know what, Dan? I mean, I I think out of this whole podcast, all the good information you've given out, I think this is probably where I should be taking the notes the most. (laughs) You know, it's it's I know know for me, I I struggle with with that, and it's it's not intentional with doing that but when it comes down to whether that's me you know working on my own business or or hunting or whatever it may be sometimes you you just get in that mindset and you're just focused on it and I think that's one of my biggest weaknesses and something that 
that I'm really trying to focus on going forward is, you know, making time for loved ones and making sure, like you said, you're intentional with it and not being distracted by everything else. You know, like you said, you're all or none. So when you're working, you're working, but when it's family time, it's family time. Definitely. And that's a good way to go, man. And I'm still learning. So I don't have this thing figured out. Don't think I'm some, I'm just, well, I'll let you know after the season, how it goes. I mean, they'll still be, <laughs> still be a struggle. If it was easy, everybody would stay married. It's difficult. It's hard. And, and that's okay with me. And so, um, my wife's a saint and you know what? She loves elk meat. So at the end of the day, I need to get some bulls killed because the freezer's looking pretty low and, and we really do love elk meat, man. So yeah. So what you're saying is you, you definitely got to kill a bull or two out of those three tags to, yeah. to make it a little bit easier when you go home. 100%. Definitely. Right, There's not a doubt in my mind. There's not a doubt in my mind unless something catastrophic happens. I'm going to get an opportunity. I'm going to try to make the most of it. So you got to believe in yourself because if you don't, no one else will. So, yeah, I'm super I'm super pumped to get something down on the ground. And, I, um, you know, I'll take what the good Lord gives me. And um, I hope to create some great memories and really just reconnect with with myself and and have be void of distraction of you know payroll payroll taxes members emails all that stuff all that stuff that just drowns us day and that i want to get it all silenced and go be wild and and be a man in the wild and uh, i'm looking forward to it man awesome so what, um, I mean, you're again, obviously a very busy man and have set yourself up for success that with, uh, owning a business and, and, you know, the, your side hustles and your family and, and your fitness and health and everything. And obviously those things don't come overnight and it's always a, a learning process. But so how do you look at, you know, setting goals and accomplishing them? What's, what's kind of your, do you have a, a method for doing that? So for goals? Yes. Um, Goals are, I would say, imperative to mapping out how you're going to operate your day-to-day life. And so we, I set big goals in writing at the beginning of every year, kind of a reset, pretty cliche, but January 1, everything goes down in writing. And they're kind of like written out as their big goals, the things that we want to accomplish as a family and and professionally, spiritually, um, hunting-wise. And then they're broken down into smaller goals or smaller steps that lead to the big goal. And really it breaks down to just a laundry list of things that you need to do day in and day out that are going to move the needle every day a little bit towards the big goal. And so it just it just comes down to discipline. And that's one thing that I'm thankful for is I am a very disciplined person kind of always have been so maybe that's just something that you are born with i'm not sure but i have bow hunted long enough to know that discipline wins in the long run and so there's there's not a week that goes doesn't go by where i don't shoot several times a week um there it's just something i have to do i've told people i'm not a great archer but i feel great about archery when i get lots of reps and i feel like that's something i can control when it comes to fitness i set goals along you know along the way and i check in with my goals and i test and retest and and you know fiscally with my business i have goals and i pursue them and i check in and i know what we need to do the today at the end of the week at the end of the month at the end of the quarter like 
you just have to have the small steps that lead to the big goal. And if you're not writing anything down and you're not taking the time to reflect and really make a plan, it's so cliche. You fail to plan, you plan to fail. And I didn't make that up, but it is just, it's Proverbs. It's something. It should be if it isn't. It's just, the it's the world we live in. It's in so I'm, I'm a guy that's kind of paranoid about failure. Failure is a, a very positive thing. It's driven me more and more to be successful. And failing is not a bad thing. It's just an opportunity to make some adjustments and try again until you figure out what's going to work for you. Yeah, no, that's that's great to hear. And and I'm sure like, I mean, you're, you were saying like you were almost, you know, born with the discipline side of things and everything. But that's something that I'm, I'm thinking can be learned as well, like as far as mental toughness is and um, I, I don't know if you have anything to comment on that. I'm not really sure, but I, I know that that's something that's been, it seems like it's been inside me at least. It's not always easy, but I'm always, when I have a goal set in mind, that's just, I, that's what I think about. And I, you know, like you said, break it down into to small steps of how to complete those goals. And the, the hardest thing that, that I come across is really looking back at them and taking the time to reflect and see where you're at. So I have like a spreadsheet written out and reminder in my calendar to go back, you know, every quarter and review that. And then I have it in red, yellow, or green, whether that, you know, I'm in progress, whether I've completed the goal or whether I'm behind off track, kind of like I do at work with my, you know, with my career right now, same type of thing when I look at my action plan and try to, to make sure that I'm setting myself up for you know success and sometimes you know the day-to-day stuff can seem like it's you're constantly you know not getting anywhere but once you look back at it you you realize you've accomplished more than you ever thought by being disciplined in it you were asking can discipline be learned absolutely and you know you're going to discipline yourself or someone else will and it starts like early on i think john wooden said that to all his athletes you know, that famous NCAA basketball coach for UCLA, John Wood. Yep. I don't know how many titles he won, but a ton. Was he told all his players, discipline yourself so so, so no one else has to. Because either way, it's going to happen. And if you're not disciplined enough to put your seatbelt on every time you get in your vehicle, eventually you'll get a ticket or two or five. And maybe you'll learn the hard way. So to me, it boils down to small decisions every day that lead to the best decision which will get you to your goal and these small decisions seem very i don't know minor or not even important but they are critical where you can literally change the direction that your life is going by this small like seemingly insignificant decision to brush your teeth every day or to you know make your food for the week or to exercise four times a week, you know what I mean? Or to shoot your bow every day, you know what I mean? Just these little decisions, six months go by, and if you hadn't made those decisions, you wouldn't be where you're at. And so I I think discipline is something that either you're just not going to learn the easy way, you're going to learn the hard way, and that's fine. And that's for some people, that's what it takes. But at the end of the day, no one can do it for you, but you got to do it. You got to do it for yourself and you better have a game plan and you better know your why because your why will always basically be your compass 
day in and day out is with the decisions you need to make, those small ones that are so critical. And uh, for me, like that's that's kind of what's led me to where I'm at. And, and I'm still figuring things out, bro, but I'm telling you, just discipline wins and and it's working towards the big goals yeah and it's it's funny when you said you know start with why there's a a book i just read on that recently um i I can't remember who who wrote the book but it's called start with why and simon sinek that's who it was and jordan harbertson had referred it to me to read and it was a great book to to really every so everything i do how to prioritize it you know i go back to my why and why i'm doing that and that's how i can kind of prioritize because you obviously can't do everything um that you may want to but by prioritizing those goals and executing them seem to be at least put me on a better track let's put it that way definitely i think that's solid advice and you know the topic to me, I mean, I've talked about it a lot on a lot of my content, but it just doesn't get old to me. It just boils down to discipline. That's the bottom line, and it's an absolute. So are you going to discipline yourself to get to your goals? You know, how bad do you want it, and is it really that important to you? I don't know. So for you to get your first elk this year, there's a lot of small decisions that you need to make before you even step foot into the woods to put yourself in a position to accomplish that. So. Um, I'm excited to hear how your season goes and if all this, all this training and knowledge gathering pays off for it. So I'm sure it will. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm thinking going in that it's a hundred percent success rate. So that's how I'm going into it. That's that's awesome, man. (laughs) Yeah. But anyways, I I don't want to keep you much longer here. I've already taken a little over an hour of your time here, Dan. So, um, one last question that I asked everyone on the podcast here before we end it and, my kind of slogan, everything with here is, how do you define adventure? So that's, that's the question that I'm going to ask you. Mm, I don't think it's an adventure unless you're tested. And I don't know what that means exactly. Let's just use the term in a broad stroke. Tested in a way where it didn't come easy. The, that to me is an adventure where um, you think about it. It takes you to wild places and wild spaces and there's no gimmies, you know, and that's kind of why I'm an advocate for public land, over-the-counter elk hunting, blue-collar style. Just I feel like there's no better reward than to finally put your hands on that bull that um, anyone else could have killed, and you did it yourself. To me, that's awesome, and there's a test along the way, and it's the test mentally, it's a test physically, emotionally, and it's a test of your discipline and if you can pass that test, I mean, that's awesome. And if you don't, it's okay. It's still an adventure as long as there was a test and you were challenged and you faced adversity and you grew. I don't know. I think that's an adventure to me. So adventure to me equals growth. Awesome. I love it. That's perfect. So where can, uh, where can everyone find you and some of your stuff? to help them, you know, you know, we, we touched, you know, a, a brief, um, layer of all these topics here, but your podcast and, and your website and everything really digs into this stuff even more. So where can people find that? Yeah. And just elkshape.com. That website will lead you down the path of articles and workouts. And the podcast is on all the places you would find a podcast and, um, Instagram is, um, Dan, the fitness man is where I put most of my stuff and 
Uh, I try to be extremely just transparent, authentic, and I am who I am. And if you want to follow along the journey, go ahead. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Dan. I appreciate you taking the time out. Definitely, man. My pleasure, Bo. Good luck this year. You too. See ya. All right.